evening. Our top story tonight, the NFC West. It is not an overly competitive division anymore. The 49ers are at the top. The Seahawks could threaten, unlikely to pass the 49ers unless the QB situation really doesn't work out. But then there's the Rams and the Cardinals quite a bit lower. But these are competitive divisions within their own rosters. We've got position battles at quarterback, real live position battles at quarterback for two teams. We also have running back competitions. We have target share breakdowns between the Seattle Seahawks wide receivers. Who's the 49ers wide receiver one? Is it Brandon Ayuk or is it Debo Samuel? And more on player profiler today. So for first and foremost, the quarterback competition that everyone is waiting to see resolved. We think we know the answer if Brock Purdy is healthy. Because if Brock Purdy is healthy, every single sign we have been given by the San Francisco 49ers since they lost the NFC Championship game has been that Brock Purdy is their guy. He's just their guy. Brock Purdy is going to be the 49ers starters if he is healthy. The question is if. He is currently down in Florida throwing with the team's quarterback coach, throwing with some physicians. And if Purdy is able to recover quick enough, then he will be starting week one for the 49ers. If not, then things are interesting because we have Trey Lance, who the 49ers spent all that draft capital to acquire. They traded up to get Trey Lance to use his rushing ability to unlock a new dimension of the Kyle Shanahan offense. And then he has more success with Jimmy Garoppolo and more success with Brock Purdy. And now we've got Sam Darnold, who is just the ultimate cardboard cutout quarterback. He is just an average guy. He is a little athletic. He can run a little bit. He can throw deep and he can turn the ball over. Sam Darnold is just exists at quarterback. But Kyle Shanahan believes that he can refine those types of tools. Those guys that can run a little bit and can throw a little bit even though they turn the ball over all the time and haven't really shown a whole lot at the NFL level, Cal Shanahan thinks he can save it. And so I hope if Brock Purdy doesn't start the season that we get Trey Lance, but wouldn't it be just like Kyle Shanahan's ego to start Sam Darnold? And then with the Arizona Cardinals, we've got a quarterback competition for week one. Now we don't know when Kyler Murray will return. Now remember, when Joe Burrow tore his ACL about two weeks earlier in the season than Kyler Murray did, he returned for week one. When Carson Wentz tore his ACL pretty much at the exact same time as Kyler Murray, he missed week one, and I don't know if he missed week two. So Kyler Murray is probably going to return to the field sooner than most people think unless the Cardinals commit to tanking, which would be a great idea. But if not, Either way, we've got a quarterback competition for week one. There were whispers that Clayton Toon could be the next Brock Purdy, but he is also a fifth-round draft pick out of Houston. And Colt McCoy is the quintessential game manager backup quarterback that will help you tank if that's your goal. Colt McCoy 
isn't elevating the Cardinals offense to beat anyone on a good roster. Perhaps Colt McCoy could manage a win or two. He's done that in the past, but with this Cardinals roster, it's going to be a tank. And that's a good thing for the Cardinals. They need a complete overhaul of this roster. Jeff Driscoll also competing. And so what's most likely is Colt McCoy starts the season QB one. Jeff Driscoll is the official backup behind Colt McCoy and Clayton Toon is QB three. And then when Kyler Murray returns to the field, they will end up cutting Jeff Driscoll. Clayton Toon moves to stays at QB three and Colt McCoy moves to QB two. And then everything else we know. It is no longer a quarterback competition between Geno Smith and Drew Locke. Drew Locke is going to beat out Holton Aylers, the undrafted free agent. So Seahawks are going to keep two quarterbacks. And then with the Rams, it's Matthew Stafford. He has no competition from Stetson Bennett. He is a pure backup. Might start some games based on Stafford's health, but Stetson Bennett will be the backup over Brett Rippon. I know, I know, Brett Rippon has been a backup in the NFL. He's shown capable at times, but Stetson Bennett is like 28 years old. He is a veteran quarterback already. He's going to be the backup here. If you want to know more about these quarterbacks and the players they will be targeting in the passing game, the draft kit is here for you. Sign up for the all-in package. It will include the draft kit and use promo code Jack when you sign up for $10 off the all-in package. Or you can just sign up for the draft kit and get all it has to offer Podfather, take it away. Hey, it's the Podfather of great news. The 2023 Draft Kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day we added a bunch of features. I mean, individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league. Do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but uh, it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. Go get the draft kit and... Go and check out our depth charts over at playerprofiler.com. We've got this all broken down. As for the 49ers, who I am currently repping today, Christian McCaffrey is the obvious RB1. Elijah Mitchell is the obvious RB2 when healthy. Of course, he has missed plenty of time throughout his NFL career. He has missed time throughout OTAs and training camp, or not training camp yet, OTAs and mini camp so far. Christian McCaffrey without Elijah Mitchell, had a massive workload. 
And then people will point to the splits with Elijah Mitchell. Oh, he took a big back seat. If you break it down by quarter or by half, especially, 49ers had a lot of blowouts in the second half. We can't just necessarily assign that to happen again. And so it'll be closer games. CMC will get more workload. CMC still the RB1. That is not, that's just chalk. CMC RB1. Behind them, Jordan Mason versus Tyrion Davis Price will battle it out. Tyrion Davis Price ended up being drafted in the third round last year. Did absolutely nothing. Got beat out by unathletic, undrafted Jordan Mason. Ugly, ugly, ugly. And it's also not really a competition for the Cardinals as well. It's James Connors' backfield. He is going to be a bell cow for the start of the year. And as long as he is healthy, he's going to be seeing 80% of the touches, 80% of the snaps. That is just who James Conner has become. Keontae Ingram, not going to mix in much. He's not a threat. Corey Clement, not a threat to steal touches. Tyson Williams, Amari DiMercato, none of these guys are a threat to James Conner. He is just a full-blown bell cow for the Arizona Cardinals. And so is Cam Akers, unless they sign someone. I Granted, they could sign someone in Arizona too, but that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense for what their intentions are. Why spend money on a running back when you're a bad team? And for the Rams, they're kind of in the same boat. They're not a particularly good team. And they think they've got their guy in Cam Akers, which is why they made their signing already in Sony Michelle. Sony Michelle is not a threat to Cam Akers whatsoever. He is the ultimate, just a guy at running back. He is someone that can play for you. He can do the NFL job. And that's about it. He'll do he'll get the yards that are blocked. Maybe. Sometimes. Because he's gotten worse over the years. But anyways, Cam Akers is a bell cow. Zach Evans versus Kyron Williams. That is the competition to see who the RB2 is. I really don't believe Sony Michelle is a threat to either Kyron Williams or Zach Evans, but I could be wrong. And if I am wrong, if Sony Michelle, if the Rams deem Sony Michelle more valuable to the roster than Kyron Williams or Zach Evans, then it is just over. For both of those players, they are better than Sony Michelle at this point in their careers. And that's saying something. The final backfield that we have in the NFC West, and the one that is actually a competition, though we at Player Profiler are pretty confident that Ken Walker is going to run away with this competition. I mean, you saw the graphic. You saw the thumbnail. Look at him. Look at Ken Walker. He is just a bell cow presence. He is a force. He is a dog. And meanwhile, Zach Charbonnet is just a really nice guy. Zach Charbonnet, good dude, good guy. But Ken Walker has that dog in him, and Ken Walker is going to run away with this job. And I'm telling you, I've said it a couple times now, people are going to be surprised and annoyed at how much we see DJ Dallas to start the year. He's going to be the RB2. He already knows that work in the passing game, pass blocking, receiving. He's done it. Zach Charbonnet has not. Kenny McIntosh has not. And so people are going to be disappointed when DJ Dallas is the RB2 and Kenneth Walker is the clear RB1. Moving on to wide receivers and sticking in Seattle. It is a big conversation. Who the wide receiver one is? Is it DK Metcalf? Is it Tyler Lockett? Or could it be Jackson Smith and Jigba? Everyone knows it's not going to be Jackson Smith and Jigba right away, but the conversation is when and if he can become the wide receiver one for the Seahawks. 
I believe he can. I don't believe it'll be this year. I believe 2024, we could see Jackson Smith and Jigba out-target and out-produce DK Metcalf. But for now, DK Metcalf is still the alpha, but his ceiling as an alpha is wide receiver 10-ish. Whereas Jackson Smith and Jigba, with his ability to command targets, he could end up being a top five, top three wide receiver in any given season. Jackson Smith and Jigba is the real deal. And that leaves Tyler Lockett just kind of slept on at this point because he's still the wide receiver too. He is still incredibly efficient. I love Tyler Lockett. He will outproduce Jackson Smith and Jigba this year. Maybe not next year. We'll see that. And then it comes to the 49ers. Debo Samuel was out-targeted and out-produced by Brandon Ayuk just last year. Now people will say Debo Samuel wasn't healthy. Debo Samuel will say he wasn't healthy. Debo Samuel says he will never put the tape that he put on last year. He will never play that poorly again. Debo Samuel was disappointed himself. Debo Samuel finds it unacceptable the performance that he had in 2022. So we'll see if that motivation causes a resurgence for Debo Samuel. Or if Brandon Ayuk, like our guy Randall Memphis Young, who we're talking about to the other day, if Brandon Ayuk really is that alpha for the 49ers, he has usurped Debo Samuel, and it's a 1A, 1B situation with Brandon Ayuk as the 1A. And then behind them, it doesn't really matter. Jawan Jennings is technically the wide receiver three. Ray Ray McLeod is Debo Samuel's backup as the wide back. He'll get some carries if Debo Samuel misses time. Danny Gray is a field stretcher type who they drafted last year. He was a rookie this past season out of SMU. And then they've got Chris Conley, who is just one of those guys. Chris Conley just ends up on an NFL roster. He catches a touchdown in the game, and you go, oh, I didn't realize Chris Conley was playing for this team. Right now, that team is the 49ers. As for the Rams, the Rams have a pretty wide open depth chart behind Cooper Cup. It is ex- assumed and expected that Van Jefferson will be playing the Z role, that he'll be stretching the field for the Los Angeles Rams. But then who's going to play the X? Ben Skoranek is built prototypically like an X receiver, plays a little bit of fullback for the Los Angeles Rams, but he he's fine. He's probably not a starting receiver in the NFL. Doesn't offer anything fantasy-wise, really. But he could be starting for the Rams. Or Demarcus Robinson could. Demarcus Robinson was the wide receiver one by default for the Baltimore Ravens for a stretch last year. It was awful. But Demarcus Robinson is another Chris Conley guy, except Demarcus Robinson is going to force his way onto the field just a little bit more. But he's just going to stick around the NFL as a wide receiver four or five. And sometimes he'll be a wide receiver three. And maybe that's what the Rams do. Maybe it's just a wide receiver three by committee. Sometimes they put Ben Skoranek in. Sometimes they put Demarcus Robinson in. They put in Tutu Atwell to stretch the field, do some gadget plays. Puka Nakua is said to be the new Robert Wood, so he could mix in there as well. Tyler Johnson, everyone's favorite former Minnesota Golden Gopher, aside from Rashad Bateman, but outproduced Rashad Bateman for a time. And then there's Lance McCutcheon, who was everyone's favorite preseason darling last year. I really don't know who the wide receiver three for the Rams is going to be. I'm pretty certain Van Jefferson's going to be the two. Outside of that, it's anyone's guess. We know Sean McVay likes to run three wide receiver sets with the same three wide receivers over and over and over again. But I just don't know if they have the personnel to do that anymore. And I don't know who the wide receiver two for the Arizona Cardinals is. I think it's going to be Rondale Moore. 
Rondale Moore should be playing the slot. Hollywood should be playing the Z. And that would leave Michael Wilson, the rookie that they just drafted, playing the X. But if Michael Wilson isn't able to earn that role early enough, then Greg Dortch could end up being in the slot, which forces Rondale Moore out to the Z stretching the field. And Hollywood has to operate as an X receiver. And that is suboptimal as well. I believe Hollywood could find success. He's going to probably going to be a wide receiver too, no matter what, based on pure volume. But if he's forced to be the on the line of scrimmage all the time, that's going to hurt Hollywood. You're better off with a free release, which is why you're better off putting Michael Wilson on the line of scrimmage at X free up Hollywood off the line of scrimmage. And then you have Rondale Moore in the slot though. Greg Dorch has proven pretty adept at commanding targets. So I won't be surprised if they go with a suboptimal lineup just because Greg Dorch has proven himself, which has been great to see. Anyways, moving on to the tight end position, not a whole lot to talk about here. We know who the 49ers starting tight end is. It's George Kittle. Behind him last year was Charlie Werner, but Cameron Latu, they drafted in the third round, Alabama player, guy doesn't wear gloves. He's a grinder, he's a blocker, but he's also pretty athletic too. So Cameron Latu, going to be competing with Charlie Werner and Braden Willis, the fifth round pick, I believe, by the 49ers. Another rookie as well. So do the 49ers keep four tight ends? Do they cut Charlie Werner or do they cut a draft pick? That's kind of the conversation we're looking at. When you draft two tight ends, someone's probably got to get cut. Most, most teams don't keep four tight ends on their roster. And the same conversation goes for the Los Angeles Rams. We know Tyler Higby's the tight end one. They traded for Hunter Long with the Jalen Ramsey trade from the Miami Dolphins. Drafted Davis Allen in the fifth. So Bryson Hawkins, their incumbent tight end too. Looks like he's going to be the one on the outside looking in. As for the Seahawks, it's Noah Fant. Who's the tight end one, but we know with the Seahawks, they like to use a lot of two tight end sets. That's why a lot of people are down on Jackson Smith and Jigba. And they also like to use both tight ends. Noah Fant is the athletic specimen, but he has never shown in his career an ability to command targets in order to push for that tight end one category that we want. Will Disley is going to see and take enough, see the field and take enough of the work that Noah Fant, Will Disley, they're going to have games. They're going to have tight end one weeks when they catch three balls for 30 yards and a touchdown. They're going to have tight end three weeks when they catch one ball for 10 yards. That's just how tight end works. The only real conversation at tight end in the NFC West is Zach Ertz versus Trey McBride. Zach Ertz also tore his ACL, had a couple other ligaments repaired, if my memory serves me correct, or the whispers and the rumor mill was true. So Zach Ertz looking to return. He's hoping to be ready for week one. That's what he's pushing for. But again, this is a team that is not good. The Arizona Cardinals should be tanking. Putting Zach Ertz on the field makes your team better. And putting Zach Ertz on the field too early hurts his chances. Or, well, makes his chances more likely of getting hurt if you rush him back. So Zach Ertz is going to be pushing to play. I believe the team will and should hold him out, which opens a path for Trey McBride. We saw Trey McBride with one week 
as a tight end one last year. But outside of that, he kind of struggled. But he commanded targets. Trey McBride was able to command targets. And that is why there is hope. Even if he didn't convert on those targets, Trey McBride still commanded enough targets that if Zach Ertz does miss time like we expect him to do, Trey McBride could flirt with tight end one numbers for a period of time. 